We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. You would not rise in the things of God beyond your level of persuasion. And your level of persuasion will not be established in the absence of a test. Whatever shape or form that test takes. So I know we're going through. God is throwing stuff. It's interesting how the very things I downplay, the very things I count as dung, the very things I count as immaterial, are the very things being used to test me. The things I'm not big on. The things we always say we don't need to teach the gospel at the very things the enemy is squeezing to see if you will change the message. If you will come out and say, there are 20 people here, the Lord said, if you lend to your accounts, this time next week, if I be a man of God. And there are some of you here, because of your level of persuasion, you are still getting caught up in that nonsense. You will not admit it. But there's still somewhere you are going for prayer. There's still somewhere you're believing in the anointing by proxy. There's still somebody else you're calling Papa. The God of. Because just let it not be that this gospel thing is not really. Let me not lose out both ways. So you're playing double fiddle. A little here. A little there. A testing is coming. And now is. That will establish where you're heart really lies but for us we do this knowing that every day we do this we put our lives on the line every day listen most of the people that have been and are being liberated by the gospel I teach in this city have never sat in any of these chairs and may never sit in any of these chairs just in case you don't realize it that this is just a platform to push the light out there a lot of people who are being delivered have never come here, have never met me, and may never meet me. Because again, that's not the idea. We're not teaching the gospel to bring you to come to our church. If we're projecting our church, by now we'll be having six services on a Tuesday. We're just teaching the light of the gospel. So you might not realize it, but there's such an effect in the city. There's such an effect in the city whereby even people that know that it's truth can no longer deny it. How are you going to fight it when it is right there in your face? That's the beauty of sticking to the word for what the word is. Not for what you make of it. Just sticking to the word for what the word is. Sticking to the word for what the word says. Not trying to explain it into what it is not in order to justify what you are doing. Just what the word is. That's why I said not, error, not every error is yours to correct. Because you don't know how to do it. It takes grace to set things straight. Some things take dynamics to understand. You can't sit down and call yourself and start to correct stuff. That's not your assignment. There's growing you need to grow. And allow those that are graced for something to deal with it. There's a level of spiritual realities that we deal with just by being teachers and leaders over church. 
That's the honest truth. Paul talks about that. I'll show you and then we'll pray. Then maybe I can teach. Don't be in a hurry to call yourself into something. Don't. Not every error is yours to correct. Not everything you know you must force down on someone's throats because now you have a smartphone. Don't do it. You are digging a grave for yourself. I'm being honest. That's not what the Lord called you to. Apologetics is not the ministry of the whole church. Apologetics, being a defense, being a staunch speaker, defense of the gospel, is not a ministry given to the entire church. Did you hear what I said? Peter says, have a readiness to have an answer to those that are questioning concerning the hope you profess. Why are you doing what you are doing? You have an answer in the word. That's, that's it. Why are you not doing what you're not doing? You have an answer in the word. That's it. That's the end. You are, because you're a word-abiding person. But you're going around and you're trying to preach at people. You have not paid a price. You have no clue what leadership is. That's why I'm very careful about Facebook ministry. Because everybody on Facebook that has a timeline believes the timeline is his pulpit. I've said over and over, especially to you young people, the worst thing that can happen to anybody with an opinion is to have an audience. The most dangerous thing that can happen to anybody who has an opinion is to have an audience. Somebody who actually takes what you have to say seriously. That's the most dangerous thing that can happen to anybody that has an opinion. Because before we can establish whether or not your opinion is right or wrong, you have infiltrated somebody's mindset and you have warped it. It now becomes what you have said against what somebody else says. And you walk away and go on to the next post without, without feeling any sense of responsibility for anybody because you are just not responsible for anybody. And that's not discipleship. That's a charlatan. Until you understand the rigors. That's why Paul will warn them in the Corinthian church, though you have many instructors, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus did I birth you through the gospel. That's what Paul says. He labored over them. So in Galatians 4, he said, My children whom I labor as with birth pangs, that Christ be formed in you. And then he tells the things, the Thessalonian church or so, that he tells them that I, 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 I am laboring to present you as a chaste virgin to the Lord. There's labor involved in raising people. It's not noise. Are you hearing me? When I came into town, I didn't go on Facebook and wrote something that now made you come. So what makes you think that you have jumped the process? I didn't come in. Is that how I came? Is that how you came? I just sat there making noise, attacking everybody that what you're doing is wrong. That's not how to go about it. You don't know light. Come and see light. You never have come. But you came just as you were. As messed up and as twisted as you were. As soaked and steeped in religion as you were. And in constant love, which is the primary tool for ministry. Constant love, devotion, discipleship, and teaching. You are now where you are. And you have forgotten where you came from. So you go and want to slap it on somebody and you piss off somebody that you are supposed to reach. Because now, the real missions field is the church. The church needs the gospel more than the world. The church doesn't know the gospel. So now we need to emphasize the gospel in church. So as you are getting people who are coming into the faith of the salvation that they have, they are coming into the right places. Otherwise, we're perpetuating the same mess. That's why with you, Lord, I'm taking my time to teach. Taking my time to teach. I don't want to assume that you know. I don't. 
you shouldn't assume that you know because we're still learning. So by the time you open your mouth to teach, you are fully grounded, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what makes this worthwhile. You think it's sweet and it's easy? Every time I come out and teach, I put my entire life on the line because there's people, the powers that be, the fathers, and now that we are streaming, whether you like it or not, they are going to watch this. A lot of people are following us without us knowing they are following. And a lot of them are following for the wrong reasons. You hear it in their teachings, you hear it in their messages. Even those who are following and coming into light are preaching what they are following. But will never call the source from which they got it. And that's fine because one plants, one waters, God gives the increase. There are scouts that mind what we are doing. There's people that come to the more sessions to hear what they said today. That's the truth. Even here. So there's a gang up. And on account of that gang up, it can be that within their circles, they can cause certain things, certain doors to not open for you. So they, be, they do you understand what I'm saying? They say, they say gang up. What they think is what matters. Invitations. Fellowship. Endorsements. Do you understand what I'm saying? The things that the world uses to determine a, a successful minister. Connections, contacts. There is an onslaught against the gospel in a material sense. And it's not because God is not able, but because we must go past the point where we are even doubting our persuasion. Do you understand? We must go past it. So if you're here and you're not reading that, then you're in the flesh. You're carnally minded. If you're watching and you're not you're understanding that, you're carnally minded. You're not in tune with the moves, the moments that we're in. As a, as a persuasion test we're going through. Don't miss out on it. Don't get so excited in your emotion and in your jumping that you realize that there's more to this than just being excited in a meeting. This meeting is not ministry. Did you hear what I said? What a life is not ministry. It's a class. Prepares you for life by the word. Word and life. Equips you with the word so you can go out there and do life. So what matters about the gospel as implanted in you is what you do with it out there. Does that make sense? Not in here. So we continue to teach, like I said to you last week, we continue to press. Because for me, these testings are an endorsement of the message. Do you understand what I just said? These testings are an endorsement of the message because you're only attacked left right and center when what you are bringing is upsetting the established system they will teach the word i put something up and i said that um i don't know if anybody saw it it wasn't a gra- it wasn't an artwork i just wrote i said as a new testament teacher of the word i realize all the more that if if for fear of consequence did anybody see that post if for fear of consequence I do not teach the whole truth of God's word. Somebody else will. Next statement. If for fear of consequence, I do not teach the whole truth of God's word, somebody else won't. Because there's somebody whose expression is tied to mine, who's going to be jump-started by mine, who knows that, wow, I'm not alone in this thing. And then there's somebody else who is also teaching it, like God told Elijah of 7,000 others. 
Don't teach it and say, think that you, it will die because you kept your mouth shut. No, you will hear a voice come up from somewhere. So we are, we are already dead men. We're not afraid of dying. Dead men don't fear death. So we come every time and we teach and learn. It's louder than before. I got an email today from Port Bain. You know, the, new, the year has just begun. And last year, we had a total of 5,776 downloads of our messages last year. And you wonder, who are the people that are downloading? 5,776 downloads. Not plays. Downloads. The people that get the downloads from the people that download them, we don't know. I got a call yesterday from one of our folks here whose brother is a pastor. They went home for Christmas or whatever and the two kids, 12-year-old and 14. Who was with me? Was it Esther and Stephanie? Who was with me when that call came in? 12 and 14-year-old children of the pastor who is the brother of this member picked the lady's phone and for some weird reason you think that when kids pick phones they are going to play games. They went to Port Bean and they began to listen to Pav. This is not in Calabar. And they sat there and nobody knew where they were. 12 and 14, a boy and a girl. And they came out, packed all their bags and said they are not going back with their father and mother. Who, pastors, that they realize now that all their parents have been preaching to them is a lie. That no, that this is the truth. That they would, when they were listening, they were opening the Bible and everything was there. That their father and mother have to explain to them why they've kept them in bondage for so long when the truth of the Bible is so simple. 12 and 14 created such a ruckus that they had to call family meeting and try to solve the matter between a 14 and 12 year old and their parents who are pastors who have been lying to them. The parents have to explain why the gospel is so simple that even they can understand and they've made it so hard. So the lady gets into trouble. They have to call a meeting. The lady calls me. I had to show her scriptures. The wisdom that is from God is first of all pure <laughs> and peaceful and gentle. You know, so tell the children, calm down. <laughs> Obey your parents in the Lord. <laughs> For this is right. You're under their roof. You're minors. You know, there's, 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 there's trajectories to this thing. Come down and grow some more in it. But then you can understand their initial reaction, initial rebellion. Now, so in that village, Pav is on the headlines. They don't know me. I don't know them. They might never meet me. The same week, I put up another status message and I said, it's disheartening what some people do with the knowledge of the truth they are coming into. Still, I would rather teach the truth and let them grow into its application than for me to keep quiet and perpetuate the religious lies. Because listen to me, there's an easier way to do ministry. There's a lucrative way to do ministry. There's a profitable way to do ministry. People are preaching finished work 
and collecting tithe because it's convenient. It pays the bills. You're preaching, finished work, and you're doing child dedication. You're doing everything that everybody's doing because why rock the boat? You know? And the boat can favor us. And again, because Christians are not ready to be responsible with truth. Because if you, if you were giving tithe for 20 years faithfully, because you thought that God will send devourers after you, and then you come into the knowledge that all of it is paid in full in Christ, and you stopped giving to the work of ministry, you are the one that is the, the thief. And Satan's cousin. Because at the point you come into where you understand the fullness of what Christ did, you realize there's nothing you could ever give that would be enough. And then you understand that scripture and you having all sufficiency in all things. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, I believe, shall therefore abound unto every good work. So there is no good work that is around where you are that you will not abound in. Or that you should not abound in. So if you're a son and you're struggling with giving, struggling with, of your own accord, you should say, you know what, of everything I earn, I'm going to give X amount for the work of ministry. By yourself. You should determine by yourself that this is my commitment to the work of ministry. Not for God to press down, shaking together and running over and give me. Because first of all, it's not God that was giving you in that text. It wasn't money he was referring to. It's not all, like he said, Give 20,000, get 40,000. It's not so you get to the point where, because of your persuasion, even if God doesn't give you a dime, you can spend your all on Him. Why not? We went, we died long ago in giving to expect to receive. So you think we do what we do because we're expecting that God will, because we give you, God will now give us. No, if He likes, He shouldn't give us. What he gave us is enough. Who he gave us is enough. We are still trying to spend it. We have not started trying to spend this price that he paid. And you sit down there beefing with God that God has not done for you. God has not given you a husband, a job. God has not given you a child, a baby. He who gave his own son did not spare him. And we are here. All our confusion is in trying to understand and start to maximize that gift. We have not even started spending him. We haven't started spending what God did in Christ. We haven't started. We haven't started. So I can't remember when last, honestly, I can't remember when last I prayed. I said, God, give me money. I can't remember. Do I trust him for money? Absolutely. Do I trust him for my needs? On a daily we start the day, we end the day. We didn't start with one naira. We didn't end with one naira, but somehow we didn't die. <laughs> it's beautiful. Somehow we ate something from somewhere by someone. Somehow we lived to the next day. Because faithful is he who has called you, who will also do it. It's not a prayer point. I'm not praying for God to change my financial fortunes. It's not a prayer point. He gave me his all. Thou knowest the way that I take. Job 23 and verse 10. And when thou hast tried me, I shall come forth as gold. It's a persuasion thing we're going through. If you're persuaded, you don't need, you don't need somebody to tell you, let's pray. If you know that the effectual fervent prayer 
of the righteous man maketh tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. You will never need us to wind you to pray. If we have to force you to pray, both us that are forcing you and you being forced are all praying in the flesh. God didn't hear. If we have to force you to come to Bible study, the Bible study that we are forcing you to come to, we who are forcing you to come and you who are coming is all the works of the devil. If we have to make Bible study compulsory for workers, make Sunday school compulsory for workers, if you don't come, you will not minister. The church, the leadership, the members and the work are all carnal. I say it as pav. You can't go and say it. Are you people hearing what I'm saying? You cannot. You cannot. You shouldn't. Occupy an office. We are all sons of God. But we have different distinct gifts and then there are offices over those gifts. Don't let anybody confuse you. I stand as an under-shepherd and I can declare those things. Because I have charge over the people that God has placed me. The apostle says, do that. Careful with the sheep that God has placed you overseers of. As those that God purchased with his own blood. There's an office irrespective of the gifts of the spirit. We are all carnal if we do that. Now it's easy to do that because the average African, the average African in a developing world cannot afford to have their brain functioning independently. The average African in a developing world has to have his or her brain programmed for him or her. That is the residue of colonialism. So they left us, but because the disciple does well, you hear what I said? Because the disciple does well in what they brought. They've left, but decades later, we are still a direct reflection of what they injected into us that even they have moved away from. Even they have moved away from. Pastors are wearing suit and calling it corporate. And you must be a worker, you must wear a tie. And Silicon Valley and those guys are, are wearing t-shirts. And jeans. They've left what you are calling corporate. The white man's traditional appearance. His suit is to him what your rapper and thing are to you. And they've left it. You are here fighting with covering your hair, not covering your hair. The people that brought it to you have left it. Do you understand what I'm saying? The average African is not independently woke yet. We must program your brain. And so because these church practitioners understand it, they do not want to give you truth one. They don't want you to figure anything out for yourself too. So you gather in meetings like this and all they're doing is programming your brain. By the time they show you that there's demons in your father's house long enough, you believe that there's demons in your father's house long enough. By the time we tell you this and that and the other, you believe it. So somebody will post billboards because they have money about altars being destroyed and exposing bad markets and then under the billboard they will write the line, run for your life. And you will see such a billboard warning you to run for your life and you will go, yes, that is the place that I should go for my deliverance. The people themselves have told you Run for your life. Is, has anybody seen those billboards? Because they control the monies in this city. 
They control the people that have the economic purchasing power. That's why a lot of you here have to grow up and step into the fullness of what God has in store for you and generate the money the gospel needs to advance. The money the gospel needs to advance will come from inside the house. It will come from inside the gospel. And yes, people that have money will repent and come into the knowledge of the gospel. And yes, but then we cannot keep the gospel waiting until they do. Oh, you will meet somebody someday who will write you a check. Yes, I'm looking forward to that day, but until then, we must teach the gospel. You must rise up to the gospel. And then you must take responsibility for it because it's when you decide to be a sower that he will give you seed. There are easier ways to do ministry. So what do we do? Since you cannot think for yourself, we will... Me, I, my, my decision, my assignment, my, I said I will teach this thing until you see me in your nightmares teaching you the truth. I will so teach, as long as you stay here, I will so teach you this truth until it's coming out of your nose when you sneeze. Because that's one day, one, one day, like the prodigal son, one day, the light bulb will just whoop in your heart. And everything that has been deposited will come to life. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It's okay. But family, we have lost family. Who are my mother and brother and sisters? Jesus said this. This is family. So if you can't look after me, I'm lost. Because you are my family now. I gave up everything. Selah. What haven't we lost? Friends, fame, reputation. For the excellency of the gospel. First Corinthians 16. Paul is writing from Ephesus. In verse 9. Read verse 8. We have looked at that text before. We haven't really seen. I think we'll just share this and we'll pray tonight. Is that okay? I'm just, I'm just close. Paul was in Ephesus. When he wrote to the Corinthians. In, in his second letter. First Corinthians is the second letter to the Corinthian church. First Corinthians 16 and verse 8. So Paul is telling them that he would stay in Ephesus where he was until Pentecost. Go back to verse 7 or something. Let me see where I can pick it from. Okay, let's, let's go from verse 5. He says, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. Verse 6. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you that you may send me, and he was talking to the Corinthian church, right? That you may send me on my journey. Can you see that? Note that. Send me on my journey wherever I go. It was the church's duty to send him off to do missions. Right? So mark that. Seven, for I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. Eight, but I will tarry or I will stay here. I think the NLT says I will stay here. Put the NLT, let's see. In the meantime, I will be staying here in Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. Now see verse 9. There is a wide open door for a great work here. Where is here? Ephesus. Go on. Although many oppose me. Switch to the New King James. For a great, you know, you know this verse, right? This version. A great and effective door has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. Go back to verse 8 and I'm hoping you see what I'm hoping you see. He says, I will tarry here. 
a great and effectual door has been opened to me and there are many adversaries, many there are that oppose me, but I am staying here. I'm hoping you are seeing what I'm saying. There is a great and fervent door open to me to do ministry here in Ephesus and the opposition is unprecedented, but I am not going anywhere. I'm staying here. The great and effectual fervent door for ministry far outweighs the opposition. The opposition is not strong enough to drive me out of town. So I'm staying here. If you are sensitive in the spirit, you understand what we're prophesying. I will tarry in Calabar until, until he says, and until he says whatever he says, there's a great and effectual door open unto me in Calabar for the gospel, including the adversaries. But they ain't chasing us out of town. We're staying here until. We're staying here until. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, Paul is saying, and I'm saying, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So here's what happens. Because of your comfort, God causes us to go through tribulation. There is trouble that I'm going through that is your fault. There's tribulation that we are going through as those that have charge over you. That is your making. You know why? Because when we go through that tribulation, we access comfort. As we receive the comfort, when you are beginning to want to go through that tribulation, because we have gone through it, we minister to you the comfort we have received from the Lord. So our tribulation is for your comfort. So that we can comfort you with the comfort with which we have been comforted by the Lord. If any of you are in any trouble, keep going. Next verse, verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also our consolation abound through Christ. Keep going. Now if we are afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Switch to the message. Verse 6. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a helping hand, an encouraging word, that also works to your benefit. Spurring you on face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. Verse 8, speak back to the New King James. 7 rather. 7. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. Verse 8. Keep going until I tell you to stop. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above 
strength so that we despaired even of life. Stay there and switch back to the NLT. Go back. Verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. We feel like, wow, this thing's going to kill me. You're pressed on every side. You're crushed. And it says we overwhelmed even beyond our ability to endure. You're not, you're not there yet now. You're not there yet. So you can't say you didn't give up in the face of adversity until that adversity brought you to the point where you never thought you would live through it. Beyond your ability to endure. We never thought we'd live through it. See? Keep going. Next line. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. Alatisma go tela kasanda go balaha. Eliskuba alindi katusi balahayade. Lamrandi isukatila bra alados otile branda gadahaya. And learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Now he said we never thought that we would live. In fact, we expected to die. But as soon as we stopped trusting on ourselves and began to trust him, we are convinced that even if we died as expected, Makada, the God that we rely on, raises the dead. Did anybody get that at all? We expected to die. And even if we do, we stop trusting or relying on ourselves. But instead, start to rely on God who raises the dead. Which has to include us if we die. And that's the declaration tonight. Verse 10. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him. And he will continue to rescue us. Now this is where you pray. 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 Put up the verse 11 as we're praying. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.